sir, you're out of order. Out of order? I show you out of order. What a sham. What kind of a show are you guys putting on here today? The views expressed on the following broadcasts do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT, Take 12 Radio, or our affiliates. The opinions on this show should not be considered as medical, psychological, or professional advice and are those of the host, co-host, and guest. Take 12 Radio and KHLT Recovery Broadcasting are not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. And now, here are your co-hosts, Eve D., Bruce H., and the Monty Man. Well, welcome aboard. Eve D. is not with us today, but Roger, Roger... From the Southern California area of the uh, country is with us today. Hey, Roger, how you doing, buddy? Good morning, everybody. I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Yeah, and just uh, just uh, not too many days ago, you were sitting here. Your body was warm and alive and filled with coffee in the studio, and now you, we have you through the uh, the amazing uh, abilities of technology. Have you on the phone? How, how's the weather down there in in SoCal? I was just about to share with you that I seem to have brought Albany south to Southern California because it's overcast and raining, Monty, like it was when I was up there. <laughs> Is that right? It's still there way up here. Jeez. <laughs> All right, I gotta reach. Okay. I gotta reach over here and get some notes because I I forgot to do this and I gotta. Um, I, I before I forget, I've got, I've got to take care of some business here really quick. Um. Before we get into the topic, which, by the way, listeners, is Step 13. It's not an original idea. Uh, Recovery 101, Bruce Shelley and Mark, uh, when they went through the steps, uh, they did a show on Step 13. They're doing another one. Uh, And I kind of stole the idea from them. A little bit of a tongue-in-cheek thing, but there's some serious elements to this whole 13-stepping thing. For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, we'll, we'll get to it here shortly. But before we do that... Uh, Listen, uh, some of you may be familiar with the ministry of Young Life. Uh, Some of you may not. So if you're not, let me just tell you, this is a a local announcement. Did you know that Young Life is back for the youth of Lebanon, Oregon? Well, what is Young Life? Well, it is a Christian outreach to the unchurched youth founded 75 years ago. It has been an effective ministry in the United States and many foreign countries. Young Life has been very effective in sharing the gospel with youth and helping them grow in their faith through relationships with adults who care. Uh, So if you are a youth, (laughs) if you uh, have a youth or know a youth, uh, Young Life is an amazing ministry. Listen, if you're in the uh, Willamette Valley and you'd like more information about uh, Lebanon's Young Life, you can call them at 541-570-0784. Or you can email younglifeoflebanon at gmail.com. All right. So there's that. There is that there uh, about young life. Um, okay, so so Roger, I got a I got a fun little story to tell you. I already told Bruce about this, but I'm going to share it with the listeners. I'm going to tell them myself. Hey, hey, Roger, have, have, do you wear glasses? I can't remember. I do wear glasses. Okay, okay. Have you ever ever had the your glasses on your face and you couldn't find them, and you're looking around the house trying to find where your glasses were? I've done all of the above. Yes, I've had hats on my head and didn't know where it was. Right, right. You know, like your pencils in your ear and you can't find it, and your keys are in your pocket, and you're looking down the couch cushions, and you kind of embarrass yourself when you realize, oh, I had my keys the whole time, or the glasses were on my face. Well, I got a new one for you, Roger. Are you ready? I'm all ears. All right. So, um. It's no secret to most people that know me that um, I have dentures and I have a lower partial. I am looking around the house forever yesterday in the car, on the street, backtracking uh, to the store. I mean, the whole nine yards for my lower partials. I can't find them anywhere. And then last night during Life Group, which, by the way, we had 16 people last night. Um, during life group, I'm, I'm eating a burrito and I realize that some lettuce from the burrito is stuck in my teeth and I go to pick it out. Guess where my partials are in your mouth, where they were supposed to, they were in my mouth the whole time. What's up with that? (laughs) (laughs) 
If you have a story, listeners, of something bizarre like that, please let us know. Our email address is take12radio at comcast.net. Um, I felt pretty silly. I, I told the whole group last night, and Marcia jumped out of her chair. She said, what? And, and one of my friends said, oh, you got a stand-up reaction out of your wife. You're in trouble now. Because yeah. she was searching all over the house for me, too. I'd like to know if other people <laughs> did that. I mean, that, that seems a little of amazing to me uh, the keys and the rest of it i've done but not not not, not the the teeth huh? mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that one. oh well uh bruce has a nickname by the way um uh debbie one of our listeners uh, uh debbie uh has nicknamed bruce uh tootsie <laughs> she said she says she loves your laugh brother and i'm gonna nickname him tootsie and make sure you tell him so there you go hi debbie okay. shout out to you uh and your faithful uh listening ears to the show is she 13 stepping me is she 13 stepping yeah i don't think she, i don't think she is but tootsie's pretty close that'd be kind of flattering yeah yeah <laughs> oh my gosh so Roger M is is with us, and uh, Roger, uh, you you've been listening to Take Twelve Radio for some time. You help sponsor the show, and and uh, you've got a you've got a couple of recovery focused churches down there. Tell us about those really quick. Well, uh, yeah, it's at his place, Church in Westminster, and we have one in Huntington Beach, and and we're one in Long Beach as well, and. Uh, yeah, it's a recovery church. My pastor loves to say that uh, we're all broken and we're all recovering from something. And yeah. the fact is that we that's a, that's true, and it just happens to be that we're very focused on drugs and alcohol, but everything else as well. Oh, that's a wonderful yeah, way to very, put it. It's a blessing to have a church like that where we have 12-step classes and 12-step meetings and so forth. And, uh, okay, so so how, how long have you been active in the recovery community yourself, Roger? Uh, I'm well into my 20th year, as yeah. my friend Mickey Bush would say. I have 19 years last December. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a long time. Congratulations. We're we're so glad that that you are a part of this this huge family. Uh, what a gift, right? I mean, what a hoot. Oh my gosh, uh, I, I say this every weekend, but I say it all the time in meetings as well. I, I never knew recovery church could be so enjoyable, so much fun. Right. Uh, the time I was up there with you, and then we went to Lifelines and so forth. It's just, every day is an adventure, and it's, it's a beautiful journey, and the, I love the process, and, and the fellowship is great. But what I what I gained uh, in connection and relationship with God and how you get to share that with other people is it's such a marvelous thing. You know, we were talking about that this morning, Roger, and, uh, you know, after we've come to Christ, we not only do we enjoy this world uh, because of the things we get to do, we get to look to eternity with him. So we're we're really in a wonderful position. Absolutely. Absolutely yeah. excited about what's going on here and now and in the future. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> one of the things that's great about the recovery community is it's vast, it's huge, it's, it, it, there's all sorts of elements to it, a lot of things going around. And uh, one of the things that we've launched forth here, we've resurrected the Adult and Teen Challenge Good News Report. Uh, we're going to take a break and listen to a PSA about that. Uh, and then when we come back, uh, we're going to do a little trivia, have a little fun, and we'll get into the topic of um, what about Step 13? That's the name of the show this week. Don't go away. We'll be right back. During a rally in the evening of July 1958, dozens of gang members from the streets of New York City came forward to turn their will and their lives over to Jesus Christ, including Nikki Cruz from the street gang, the Mau Mau's. The morning after the rally, Nikki and his gang, along with other gang rivals, traded in their weapons for Bibles. This was to be the beginning of the world's largest and most effective faith-based treatment program for those living with life-controlling issues such as alcohol and narcotic addiction. In the years to come, the author of The Cross and the Switchblade, Pastor David Wilkerson, would commit his life and passion to working with men and women from all walks of life through the founding of the International Ministry of Teen Challenge. 
Well, we here at Take 12 Recovery Radio invite you to tune in every Monday for the Adult and Teen Challenge Good News Report for powerful stories of deliverance from the dark side of addictions and the life-changing journey of men and women who have been set free and now walk in the light of their Creator. That's every Monday, broadcasting all day, right here at Take12Radio.com on your internet dial for the Adult and Teen Challenge Good News Report. And now, it's the Quiz of the Week. That's right, everybody. It's time for Take 12 Radio's mm-hmm. Quiz of the Week. Sponsored by that recovery magazine, the 12-Step Gazette. Visit their website at 12stepgazette.com. Now, here's the Monty Man. That's right. <clears throat> it's Bruce's favorite game show. Take 12 Recovery Radio, uh, brought to you by uh, the 12 Step Gazette. All right. True or false? These are true or false uh, trivia questions. Pretty much useless trivia. Are you ready, Roger? I'm ready. All ready. Okay, okay, Roger. Roger's ready. Ready, Roger. Roger, ready. Roger Dodger. Number one, Bruce and Roger. There are more fake flamingos in the world than real ones. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) I think so, too. (laughs) We have some new gadgets, uh, sound effects. You guys are correct. That is true. If if you get it wrong, of course, you, you hear the fluff machine. Uh, yeah, there are just under 2 million flamingos in the wild, whereas their plastic cousins produced on a mass scale in 1957 number well into the 50 millions. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And, and just, just as a note, uh, real flamingos die. Plastic ones do not. So it's kind of a no-brainer. <laughs> in fact, you can't get rid of those things once you put them in your, your yard. They just keep coming back. Uh, here is true, uh, true or false question number two. A man once ate, he ate now, two entire airplanes in one month and 15 bicycles. True or false? What do you mean he ate? <laughs> he ate two entire airplanes in one month and 15 bicycles. What do you think, Bruce? I'm going, I'm going false. You're going to go false, Roger? Oh gosh, well, that's insane. <laughs> you know, that's so insane, Roger, that sometimes we have... I, I, I have to say false, so that's just... That can't be done. Okay. You guys are correct. It is false. Uh, but I'm going to blow your mind. Uh, Michael Latito uh, proves the French have unusual appetites. He ate bikes and planes and computers, shopping carts, and pretty much everything else people aren't supposed to eat during his 57 years of life. He would break the metal and other normally inedible comp- uh, components into tiny pieces and wash it all down with mineral water. He actually ate one airplane in one month and 15 bicycles, not two airplanes. <laughs> Now see, you see what I mean? That as insane as that is, I could, I would think that would just cut the insides of a person up. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess the acids are stronger than we thought. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. you know, nothing beats shooting uh, red phosphorus, kitty litter, and raid into your veins in the form of today's methamphetamine. Here's <laughs> one for you. That so I guess anybody can put anything in their body. If you think about what that man did. Good point. And then think about what Christ said. You know, your days are numbered. Your days are numbered. Same. Yeah. So you need just what you want. You you can eat what you want, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Your days are numbered. All right, number three. The fax machine, the fax machine, was invented before the telephone. True or false? Oh, that's true. I say, Roger. True. True? True. Yep. You guys are correct. That is true. The first fax machine was developed in 1865, a full 11 years before Alexander Graham Bell invented the telephone. Here is your bonus. 
You are three centimeters taller when you wake up in the morning. True or false? Hmm. True. I'll go with true also because I think that's, I think that's true. Right. It's actually false, but you're kind of right. Oh, come on. Your spine compresses throughout the day only a very little bit thanks to gravity. And though you are not three centimeters taller, you are about one centimeter taller in the morning. Yeah, so you are a little tall. I want it to be bigger than that, Monty. I want it to be three centimeters. You want it to be three centimeters? That was a trick question. That was a trick question. That was a trick question. (laughs) And that does it for Take 12 Recovery Trivia. And that was a bonus, too. And that was a bonus question for uh, this week. Yes, indeedy. I just feel like doing a little dance. A little dance. I wish I could. All right, we'll be right back with the topic. What about step 13? When we return, don't go away. Men, women, and their families experience tremendous pain and suffering due to the struggles they face from substance abuse and its co-occurring mental health challenges. They need to find a safe place for peace and healing. Therapia Addiction Healing Center was born out of a deep desire to provide that safe and powerful healing environment. Therapia exists to help people recover from addictions by developing and maintaining healthy, meaningful relationships with God, self, and others. To speak with an addiction specialist, call 1-855-652-4325. That's 1-855-652-4325. Or visit our website at www.therapia.net. Therapia Addiction Healing Center. Restoring lives one step at a time. That's the band Little Feet, one of my favorite songs, Dixie Chicken. And uh, unfortunately, within the 12-step fellowships, amongst other organizations, but let's talk about our 12-step support meetings. Now, do not get this confused. I'm not talking about the program of the 12-steppers. I'm talking about the fellowship of the 12-steppers. Um, there is some folks running around that is that are kind of, you know, asking, will you be my Dixie chicken? Because if you will, I'll be your Tennessee lamb. And uh, we'll walk together in 13-step ter- land is what we'll do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the 12 steps. The 12 oh, steps are a process to get you prepared to be of maximum service to God and your fellows, to show you your need for God so you can do that. And uh, you get to get sober in there too. But that's not the main purpose of them. Uh, That's just a benefit. But the deal of it is it's all about serving God and serving your fellows. 13-stepping is about serving you. And uh, it has been said, uh, there's many definitions for the 13th step. One of the most popular is uh, anyone who has a year or more of sobriety, not sanity, sobriety, who tries to pick up on uh, uh, somebody who has less than a month. That, that's the terminology. It, 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 we can move all right. It could be somebody with five months going after somebody with three months. I mean, the numbers really aren't important, but it's the whole idea that somebody is being predatory. Somebody is, or maybe even not being predatory, but, you know, they see somebody, they kind of like what they say, they kind of like how they look, and they're attracted to them. And they, you know, maybe unintentionally don't mean any harm by it, but they ask them out to coffee, and one thing leads to another and the potential program that would be developed and help the person to recover from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body and to be a maximum service to God and their fellows kind of falls apart 
or doesn't even get a chance to get started because the two people get into a relationship and things just don't work out well. Um, and then there are those that are definitely predators. We've seen some some heartache behind this stuff, have we not, Roger? Oh, uh, yeah, we sure have, uh, both in the predatorial perspective as well as just people that probably don't know any better. But uh, clearly, 13-stepping is not embodied in the 12-step program. No, no. Bruce, have you ever known anybody that this came back to bite him in the rear end? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's because I think that uh, God didn't make us to be alone. Right. So we think he needs some help in that area. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he, you know, we go out. Remember, he, he knew that... When he was given instructions, the law, you know, to be separated because we would follow their gods. Right. You know? Right. But I think the big thing is, is that if if you're doing this, are you really doing the 12 steps? Are you really applying them in all your affairs? Because if I had done the 12 steps and I am actually doing this, here's a stopper. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think that I'm applying it, trying to honor God in my, in my, uh, your, your walk desires. of recovery and desire. Yeah, yeah. 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 And in my, you know, if I'm, if I'm doing that now, I still might do it anyway and, uh, you know, get some bad advice and do these things. But I think, I don't think we will end up in the positions that we normally do. Right. You right. Know? Yeah. Well, let's talk about the predators, uh, people who have made uh, reputations for going after the newbies. This comes from an article by The Fix, thefix.com. Uh, such behavior even made national news when accusations were made in 2007 against leaders of an AA fellowship in Washington, D.C. According to a Newsweek uh, article detailing the accusations, women reported feeling pressured to sleep with other group members. Other press about the scandal mentioned that underage girls were encouraged to be sponsored by older men, as well as advised to quit therapy, stop taking medication, including antidepressants, and only see their families in the company of other Midtown members. Uh, The charges against Midtown ran deep, hinting at institutionalized, uh, uh, an institutionalized form of the 13th step and a civil suit was filed against one of the group's members. Despite all of these accusations, there were many from the group who said that nothing of the sort took place and that if it did, the harassment only impacted a select few. I want to come back to that statement. Uh, Others quoted in the Newsweek article were uh, adamant about the fact that Midtown is a thriving meeting that has saved their lives. Either way, the story caused many AA groups to stop and look at sexual behavior within the fellowship, something that, according to Dr. Ellen Dye, a Maryland-based psychologist who has treated members from the D.C. group, she says is a good idea. A lot of the people coming into recovery are vulnerable, she says. They don't have great boundaries. And if they go into a group and feel alienated or violated, it's very hard for them to go back in. This is why recovery movements need to be willing to look at their strengths and their weaknesses. And may I just say, there is a practice within Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm not so sure if it's in within Narcotics Anonymous, though, though uh, but I do know about AA. There's a thing called a group inventory. That if a group starts going so sideways that the primary purpose is forgotten, that um, delegates, uh, district people can encourage the group to actually partake in a group inventory to kind of clean up the mess. Now, I've only seen that done once, but I'm not a necessarily a, a world traveler or anything. Um, I'd be interested to know if the listeners have experienced a group inventory before. And when it comes to this issue, if there's been predators in your group and, and, and that kind of thing. But one of the things that I, I really thought was interesting was 
that they said it didn't seem to impact anybody except for the individuals involved. And I disagree. Yeah, I disagree too. I yeah, I totally yeah, I disagree as well. Yeah, I was a predator. You were a predator. Uh, in in that sense, I uh, I was in the penitentiary and uh-huh. we had some people coming <clears throat> from the outside, and I met a girl, and when I got out, my soul function and idea was to go to this group and sleep with this young lady Mm -hmm. and uh, that's exactly what i did and when i did that not only did i affect her but i affected her friends and uh another couple that uh when i this thing went sour they all used now i'm not just blaming that on my actions but my actions played a great part in that. Wow. Yeah. So I do believe it does affect other people. You know the A-bomb effect that we show our sponsees, you and yes. me, that uh, how it, it affects our mother and our mother's relationship with her friends and the next-door neighbor. Yeah, you, and you talk about that, Bruce. Mm-hmm. You talk about w- when um, you, you were working on your sex inventory, how you had to include your mother not because you're having sex with your mother, but your mother was harmed because of your se- inappropriate sexual behaviors with other people. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense, Roger? Oh, a- a- absolutely. I uh, I couldn't agree more with Bruce. And, and while I didn't uh, didn't sleep with anybody in the fellowship, uh, it certainly was a thought that crossed my mind. But I could never reconcile it. I just couldn't. I couldn't. I always. Uh, my sponsor always taught me to check my motives. And if my motives didn't line up with the 12 steps and 12 principles and the biblical principles and really uh, honoring God, then don't do it. And it it took a long time for me to sort of have that as an operating mechanism in my mind. But And the other thing is, is that I've come to realize over the years that, you know, fellowship groups are not the bedrock of mental wellness. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> You know, we, we the doors completely broken, and and we're joined by our character defects, not our virtues. <laughs> I'm fishing in a pond of of sick fish. It doesn't, you know, I, I'm not going to catch a good one probably. Yeah. Now, that's not to say that that can happen. I know people who got married in the fellowship and are are very happy. But yeah, not the that's the exception and not the norm. Right. Yeah. This girl's lonely, and of course. You know, I I have my own desires and shortcomings. Yeah. So you know these these matched up pretty doggone well, and for to cause trouble for other people. But you got to remember, see, I'm not being sponsored. I don't have a sponsor to tell me to look at my conduct. Does it line up? I don't know what she's doing. Yeah. You know. Right. But I I think that she must be doing something because she's coming up there and she's trying to help other people, you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I don't know about, you know, the steps or, or anything about that at this time. This was back in the 60s. Back in the 60s, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you bet. And this is another reason why it is so vital for people that have been through this process, that have a relationship with God, that know the program, that know the the steps, the order of the steps, the proper use and, and application of the steps, to make the approach to the newcomer. And we don't do it. We wait for them to come to us, and people are dying. People are getting uh, – predators are coming in. We, if we would make the approach, you know, whatever happened to, to sticking your hand out and welcoming somebody mm-hmm. – and sitting down over some coffee and talking with them and finding out about what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to be able to be honest with the person. Yeah. You know, and be able to tell them. That don't mean you're going to stop them. You know, that's right. for sure. They're going to do what they're going to do. I've learned that. But but at least you can be honest, you know. Yeah. And at least maybe you can even be there when the person needs a hand up. Not a hand out, but mm-hmm. a hand up and... And you can be there. But it's so important that one of us has done this thing, that one of us have this conscious contact. If that's not the case, I'm really not sure, and I'd like to hear Roger's view on this, that 
we can just because hey, we have a day, we can share that day. You know what I mean? I think that we have to have done this thing. We have to be able to reach out with some sort of caring. You know, and, and well, I, I I couldn't agree more, Bruce. Um, it, you know, we're supposed to share our experience and our strength and our hope, and those are all action words that come as a result of the application of the twelve steps in life situations outside the fellowship meetings. The recovery doesn't take place in the meeting; it takes place outside the meeting when no one's watching. When it's you and God, and life shows up, and what do you do? The strength comes from continually, you know, asking God for help. He's the power. Mm-hmm. The principles are what we apply. And then we have no control over the results. So the result, as a result of the application of the principles, becomes our experience. And that experience will bring strength, and that strength will bring hope. And that's what we need to bring to the newcomer and the people in the fellowship. If they're looking for answers in the meetings, they're not going to get them. So somebody had they to have it. a solution yeah. to this thing. <laughs> okay, so so okay, so so I'm gonna I'm playing devil's advocate here because you know and I know Bruce and you know Roger too. There are people listening right now that are going. That's it. That's the last show I'm listening to at Take Twelve Radio. They said there's no recovery in the meetings. And I'm thinking I hope that you did hear that, for you can turn this back and listen to it again. That's right. <laughs> it, because, you know, Roger, and I, and I, and I, I said, uh, I said uh, to Bruce years ago, I was, I was so upset with what was going on in the meetings. I said, I'm not getting anything out of these meetings. And Bruce goes, if you think you're going to get your spiritual maturity by showing up at these meetings, you better think again. <laughs> and he was right. <laughs> Yeah, the pro- the program's not in the meeting. The program's in the book, and the application of that program takes place in life outside the meetings. We're supposed to come mm-hmm. back and share about what happened as a result of this application, like mm-hmm. it says in the 12 step. That's right. You don't do that in the meeting. You do it outside the meetings. Yeah. So what we have going on in meetings a lot of the times is this inappropriate uh People trying to pick up on other people, and I want to go go in a little different direction with this thing. Um, and, and I don't want to get into right or wrong or indifferent about same sex sex attraction. I really don't want to go down that road uh, today. But it is a very real problem within the fellowships today as well, and it's something we don't even want to talk about. So you have a stag meeting. Let's say it's an all men's meeting, and you have a couple of fellas in there that are trying to 13 step another guy. It's real. It happens. You know, the same principles, the same guidelines and the same integrity apply there as well. You don't do that. That's not the place for that. And, uh, and yet it happens. We also have uh, uh, gay lesbian uh, meetings these days where uh, 13 stepping can take place. You, you need to be careful. Uh, you need to go in with both eyes open. And most of the time when we go in, our eyes are pretty blurry. So again, it's so important to have people come alongside of us that have done this thing, that have experienced this spiritual awakening that can, can guide us through our very first day. You know, Monty, I, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh-huh. I think it's important that we do talk about that, Nate. Not just so much about gay, but no. This there's other men that can use men. They use them for things that they're not supposed to use them. They're giving their friendship, but it's it's covered with something else. One of the things that I appreciate about these twelve step programs when you apply them in your life is God showed me how to have the kind of fellowship I've craved all my life. I couldn't have the relationship I have with you, another man. Right. And and Roger, is, I think he's just a terrific man. I just want to praise him and praise him and praise him for his thoughts and his mannerism and the, the ability that he has to talk about this program. I'm just so excited yeah. to have yeah. met him. Well, see, I can do that now. Right. I couldn't do that before. Right. So I think it's... 
I, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, go ahead, buddy. Yeah, that's okay. Go, go, go ahead. I, I was just going to say that it, it's a result of God's love. It's a result of this fellowship. It's it's a result of the things that we do. And we, it's very clear in the book we have to smash self-centeredness. Mm. And 13 step, or, you know, 13 step, the 13 steppers, that, the motive of that is the height of self-centeredness. So it doesn't it doesn't ring true with the program, the fellowship. It just doesn't. And I would encourage any newcomers in any meeting anywhere in the country, you know, interview someone who's coming up alongside of you. I mean, interview them. Ask them what their motives are for for reaching their hand out. If they want to be your sponsor, ask them what their motives are and tell them that tell them a little bit about your story and have they done the twelve steps and do they have a sponsor that did it. Mm. And, and, you know, get a little snapshot of who they are. You know, it's like, we just take, sometimes take advantage of the newcomer because they're very vulnerable. And I think it's, it's yeah. not only is it immoral, it's it's outlandish. Yeah. Here, here, here is a 13-step, uh, a little 13-step trick that people pull. And we think of 13-stepping as being something that is relational in the sense of ro- romance or sexual. Um, and, and, and let me tell you, it can go, it can go beyond that. There are people out there and shame on you. If you do this, I am telling you, I just, you just, you just irritate the, you are a dangerous person. If you do the following, I'm your sponsor. And because you said you're willing to go to any lengths, you're going to wash my car every Saturday morning and you're going to mow my lawn. If you're serious about recovery. That is an abuse of, of, of your responsibility as a sponsor, as an elder statesman in the fellowship. That's an abuse of that power. And, and it is a form of 13-stepping. You're going in after somebody to fulfill some sick need that you have to accomplish your housework. Your motive is not to help the other person. Your motive is to get your lawn mowed. Because you're too blasted lazy to do it yourself. I mean, it just drives me crazy. And there are people that do this stuff. And it's another form of 13-stepping, in my view. Hmm. Comments? Well, you've met people I haven't. That's <clears throat> That seems a little far-fetched, but I guess it I guess it does happen. It does. Roger, have you ever known somebody that had that attitude? Uh, I know, yes. I know situations wow. similar to that may not be... Washing the car or mowing the lawn, but yes, very similar things that are, you know, you'll do this because I said so. I know people that have to call their sponsor every morning before they do anything, just, you know. Yeah, I don't understand that, Roger. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to ask sponsors to tie your shoes and get up in the morning and make Mm -hmm. yourself a cup of coffee and all that sort of thing. Right. They're there to share their experience, strength, and hope as a result of the 12 steps, not about. You know, they can, if they have experience in certain situations, like an interview or, you know, doing a resume, you know, we can help people in real-life situations, but not, not stuff that's personally gratifying to the sponsor kind of situation. In fact, right. I would encourage anybody to fire the sponsor. Fire them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. Fire them. You're fired. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 I think one of the things that we've missed, though, too, is one of the reasons I go to meetings today, and it's been hard for me to practice this, but it's to to go and listen for I might be able to hear somebody that I could make an approach to that I think I could help. And usually it's the guy that's in and out of the joint or, uh, you know, he just can't stay sober and he's willing to admit those things he's given this conversation i can hear it and see it woven in there and i love to go up to him and just tell him me too you know and just to let him know that there's other people that are dressed like him and then i like to tell him this amazing thing roger i like to tell him that i have a solution to that yeah, that's a connection, right? Yeah. We want to help people. And we genuinely, the other thing is, is that we genu- genuinely care. We, yeah. we genuinely care. When I when I get to speak with individuals or a group, I, I say, um, I tell them I love them. Yeah. Because I, I, I realize where they are, and I felt that loneliness and, and the incomprehensible demoralization. 
and I want him to know that I care, and I have a solution. It's in the book. So we have a woman, and she's in and out. You know, I, I know this. I see she's pretty much just like us, and I walk over there, and I and I make this introduction. I better be careful of my motives. I Am I there to try to help her find somebody, or am I there to try to get some sort of sick satisfaction? Right. You see what I mean? Right. And it's awful hard. We have to be able to look at ourselves and, you know, we're deceitful and wicked to the core. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you and I mean, it, and see, it's so what hatred. we're, you bet, you bet. And yeah. we have to stay on top of that. All right. Now, check this out, uh, because some people are asking the question, <clears throat> what about dating in the program? Is that 13 stepping? Not necessarily. I mean, because, Roger, you made mention that there are people who have gotten married in the fellowship. They met in the fellowship. They got married in the fellowship. <clears throat> it is the exception to the rule that that works out. Um, but there is a big difference between intentionally going after somebody for your own self-gratification and actually having some interest in someone, perhaps on a dating level, that you happen to have met in a meeting. Now, having said that, I think we need to be very careful, and I think that requires much caution, and I wouldn't recommend it. But there are people who have taken a young lady or, or a young man out to a movie after the meeting, and it's been okay to do that. Again, I think you're kind of playing with fire, but there are exceptions. Are there not exceptions? Well, I, I think, think there are. I, I, I think that you can have a, a genuine date or or that sort of thing as long as the two parties involved. You know, I think you set up some boundaries and stuff. Right. Somebody once told me that you have to be friends before you can be lovers, you know, that sort of thing. And you have to like each other before you can love somebody. And we don't have a clue when we walk into the fellowship what that means. We don't know what love is. We, sure. we know what self-centeredness is. And so I, I think it's difficult and it's challenging. I, I've heard it said but you know, many times, it's like, you want to date? Buy a plant. The plant lives, buy a turtle. The turtle lives, buy a dog. The dog lives, after all that, <laughs> so maybe you're ready to... <laughs> <laughs> I know. I uh, I was getting to know one of my sponsees pretty well, and uh, he started dating. Mm -hmm. uh, and I told him, that doesn't mean you're going to move in together. And right. They, and what did he do? They moved in. They moved in together, yeah. And I didn't see him. I didn't see him no more. Didn't see him anymore. See, and yeah. it, he's really uh, in a bad way right now. It's dating, and I think if we can be honest... And, and let our sponsees know, sure, I think that dating is fine, you know, but it doesn't mean that you can move in together. Well, we have a whole different it's, definition of what dating is be, today. Well, yeah, you could be harming this other oh, individual. Gosh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the values, some of the things that Roger just said, people don't even think on those levels anymore. We have turned the term dating we have joined it with the terminology that's used with the prostitute on the street. Sorry, but that's what we've done. We've done said it. date. We've, we've said dating means that we're going to sleep together. Oh. And, 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 and for years, male prostitutes, female prostitutes, they would approach a potential John's car and said, are you looking for a date? Right. They meant sex. And now we've adopted that right, right from the streets. That's that's just sick and wrong. You know, mm -hmm. that's not what dating is. That's All right. Not. So so let's um really quickly let's let's talk about um this this thing that that we've accused treatment centers of bringing into the rooms and I don't know that this is true. Um I don't think everything that treatment centers says or suggest is bad. Sorry, I don't. I think some treatment centers know a lot, a lot about addiction a lot more than we do. Many times. Um, I understand the concern for treatment centers and treatment philosophies that are upside down and backwards and aren't appropriate. I do. There's a lot of people out there doing a lot of harm. But there are places that are doing amazing work as well. Having said that, there is a, there is a, um, a suggestion that is put out there a lot that we hear. No relationships in your first year. 
And some people are really, really pro about that. They really are proactive. They believe in that wholeheartedly because they've seen the damage that has happened when people get into a romantic relationship too early and not focus on their recovery. Others will say, that's a bunch of BS. That comes out of treatment centers. And and you can ignore that. Okay, before I give you my viewpoint on that, what do you think, Roger? Well, I'll relate to looking at myself. Um, we know the big book tells us we suffer from a spiritual malady. And we know that in step five, it, it, when we admit our, you know, when we go through our character defects, that the whole idea of self-centeredness is the issue. We were created in God's image and likeness. Therefore, we were created with this spirit who's supposed to be connected with our Heavenly Father. The bottom line is, when I am separated from God, I live on a physical plane. And that reduces me to the same level as an animal. And that, that's exactly what happens instinctually with sex. And, and what I would do was when that would happen, then I would have to medicate myself to rationalize deep down inside of me that my behavior was okay. Well, that's a flat-out lie. And it took me right where it took me, to the depth of hell. So it, it, people could dress it up any way they want to, but when I am living on strictly a physical, sexual plane, I'm an animal. And then I medicate myself to be okay with that behavior. And it's not. And so you can dress it up any way you want to, but, you know, if I'm living on a spiritual plane connected to my Father in Heaven, applying the 12-step principles, that that doesn't reconcile. It doesn't work. Yeah. Because that is outside the, the, the you know, the, the, the program and God's plan. And so, you know, we can, we can dress it up any way you want to, but when I eliminate spirit from my my behavior, I'm living on a, on, a, on a physical, animalistic plane. And that's what predatorial situations are. That's an instinctual thing, not a spiritual thing. Bruce, what do you think? No, uh, no serious uh, romantic relationships within your first year? Well, I'm going to go down the same path as Roger's taken, and I just say it a little differently, that if one of us is working this program, if then that's all it takes for that person to examine himself and see what his motives really are. Mm-hmm. And is it a Christ-centered thing or not? With me, it has to be that right. way. Yeah, uh, I got into some relationships uh, that I wasn't able to knock off and ended up hurting the other person terribly. Yeah. You know, yeah. Once, once, once we're into them, you know, it's, so it's really um, a good thing today if we can do that and examine ourselves and look. You know, that don't mean that we have to cancel something all out or anything else. But what are what are we there for? What are we doing? Are mm-hmm. we on this animal plane that Roger is talking about or not? Mm-hmm. Are mm-hmm. we making this from a a, a physical, sexual,er yeah, not a sex? but secular right. uh, a point of view. Are we looking at it from a spiritual point of view? Sure. I'm telling you, I have, I have relationships today that I know wouldn't be taking place if it wasn't for my spiritual life. Yeah. Amen. Women feel safe. Around you, yes. Because yeah. I don't say, oh, you look good in those pants. See, I, I don't, them subjects don't come up because then they say, oh, he's like the other guy, or they don't feel as safe. You right. see what I mean? Right, right. You bet. Same. So so my, my take on this, no no relationships in your first year, it go, goes like this. Um, in light, and I've said this before, in light of my past experience, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? Not what's right, not what's fair, not what's comfortable, not even what's legal, but what's wise. And I believe to the depth of my being that when you come in, when a person comes into the rooms of recovery and they're, if they're anything, anything like the three of us were, we got so much stuff going on. We've got trauma. We got co-occurring mental health issues. We got all these stuff. We need God in our lives. We haven't got a clue about basic life skills. How wise is it 
to jump into a relationship with somebody else who probably has their own baggage before we've ever developed a relationship with our creator. I think it's foolish. I think it's the opposite of wisdom. I think it's foolish. I think it's dangerous. I don't think it's a treatment philosophy. I think it's just, I think wisdom demands that you look at that and say, nah, maybe I shouldn't do that. Maybe I need to work on myself, focus on myself. Haven't you ever heard the term, I got clean and sober. I got a job. I bought a truck. I got a girlfriend. I got drunk. <laughs> yes, I Absolutely. Yeah. I was just going to say, you know, I like to think about, like, write it down on a piece of paper. Would I date me and my <laughs> But I, no, hell no, I because I know me. Well, two parties could do that same thing. Um, it's like, what do I have to offer, bring to a relationship? See, if we're not thinking about what do I have to bring to a relationship, there's no business dating. Because all I'm thinking about is myself. Ooh. And See, he's coming from a recovery point of view. He's not. See, I don't know if we can rely upon the other. Well, I think if you're going to ask what's wise, you might you you probably need to have a relationship with God to even know that. That's absolutely. Well, look, yeah. we're going to be rigorously honest. It says in the program that the essential ingredients of recovery is rigorous honesty, humility open-mindedness and willingness. And if all those things apply of where I'm sitting that day, it's like, what do I have to bring to a relationship? I wouldn't go out with me. Well, I can't balance a checkbook. I, I'm unemployable. I have physical issues. Nobody wants me to live with them. Uh, I've left my family. Uh, you know, I lost my job. I mean, all these things, it's like, really? I'm going to go out and have a relationship? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> See, what he did is is what the program offered us, and I think we lose sight of it. For the very first time in our life, it allowed us to take our eyes off the other person and put them on ourselves. That's what these 12 steps did for us. And when I seen that and who I was, then I understood my need for God. Right. See, that's why, girlfriend. that's why, yeah, that's why he's so yeah. precious to me. And then on top of it, on top of it, he showed me how to have those relationships. You right. see? Right. So right. it's really up, up, uh, upside down and backwards. Yeah. But as what we, we start think. growing yeah. in this conscious contact and we understand what this is all about, it's the most marvelous thing that could have happened to us. Yeah. Amen. You know, I have lots of, lots of friendships with females in the program and at church and it has nothing to do with relationship sexual relationship yeah ain't that and amazing the whole concept of, 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 of attraction rather than emotion right god is resident in your life and you're operating in his world there's there's an aura about you that's attracting people and yeah. that's what you bring when you reach out to the newcomer you bring a loving kind hand who wants to help them and you don't have a hidden agenda and there's people about that... credit, predatory involved yeah, there's people that just do not believe what he said. I know. You know, they think that that, that that couldn't be taking place. But it is. Yeah. It is. You just have to call me a liar because that's what I've experienced that's... over the last 19 years. Yeah, and, and I have too. And, and, Someone and... wants to tell me it's not true. It's true. I, I've experienced it. I lived it. I'm living it now. So I, you bet. You I've bet. been, uh, and, and we're out of time, and we're, we're going to play this song uh, by Michael Purrington uh, that sh we're going to kind of end on a lighter note on, on this. Uh, and I'll tell you the name of the song in a second, but, but I've been criticized for not giving females rides to meetings. Well, it, it, you know, the primary purpose that they reach out and, and you you have the hand of recovery, you got to get them to a meeting. I mean, you, they need a ride and nobody else will give them a ride. And you're telling, you're keeping them from a meeting. And I said, look, it, I'm a married man. I have no business having a female by herself in my car alone. None. Now, that's my choice. That's my standards. may not be yours, but it's mine. And, and I'll tell you, and it's not so much because I'm afraid of her or even me, but there are people out there that are ready to pounce, and they are ready to make accusations, 
and bring false testimony against uh, me because of what I do in this ministry and so forth. And I have no business finding myself alone with another woman, not over coffee, not in a ride in my car, not here in the studio. And I, I've had to cancel interviews because a guest was coming on and another co-host wasn't able to be here. Um, I don't. Now, I've had women in the studio that I've interviewed. The door's been open. My kid, my kids have been home. My wife's been home. That kind of thing. But left just by myself? No. And it's not because I don't trust them. It's not because I don't even trust me. I don't trust the enemy of my soul. And I'm not going there. I also don't do frontal hugs when it comes to women. Sorry, if you're a woman and you've come to me at a meeting, you give me a big bear hug, I'm going to pull back. I do side hugs. I do side hugs. They're safe. They, 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 they don't, they don't, they just don't cause the problems that frontal hugs cause. These are, these are standards that I've placed in my life from some very wise and learned biblical men that I have in my life that have permission to speak into my life. And, and, um, some people think I'm kind of a stick in the mud about that, but I'll tell you what, I have never, ever, ever been accused of any inappropriate behavior with a woman ever. And, and I, I think that's just wisdom, man. I just think it's just, it's just smart to do that, but that's me. There you go. <laughs> We're going to listen to this song uh, by Michael Purrington. I think you're going to kick, get a kick out of it. Um, it is entitled very appropriately. Let me say something before we go off the air. Okay. Roger, I want to thank you for your walk with God and your ability to voice that. I, uh, yeah, I Roger. Think, I think you're a wonderful man, and uh, God bless that we have you in uh, this recovery. Oh, thank you very much. I'm humbled. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I echo that very, very much. Um, this song by Michael Purrington, uh, from Michael Purrington and the Messengers, one of the uh, trailblazers of recovery music, is entitled Newcomers in Love. I promptly admitted I was powerless over you And to thine own self I promised to be true The program and you are a blessing from above The big book and the way you look are all I'm thinking of it's great to be a newcomer in love. Newcomer, newcomer, newcomer in love. I turn my will and my life over to you. You're restoring sanity just like step two I intuitively know you belong here by my side happy, joyous and free one day you'll be my recovering bride program and you are a blessing from above the big book and the way you look It's great to be a newcomer in love. Together we could never be boring, dull, or plumb. We'll be the bill. 
of the new millennium will fill our lives with wisdom and serenity. Someday we'll have a house full of little sponsees. The program and you are a blessing from above. The big book and the way you look are all I'm thinking of. Gee, it's great to be a newcomer in love. For more music by, <laughs> by Michael Burrington to the Messengers, visit quitdrinkin.com. Until our next broadcast, this is the Money Man with Roger and Bruce. We're wishing God's perfect serenity for you. Don't hang up, Roger. All right, folks. Talk to this you later. This has been a broadcast of Take 12 Recovery Radio and KHLT Recovery Broadcasting. Ha, 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 ha,